We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, July 22nd, two days removed from the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA Finals. Uh, I have a special guest on the pod today, making, I believe, his third appearance over these last few weeks. He's back. It's Kenny Ducey by popular demand. Kenny, always appreciate you carving the time out of your busy afternoon schedule to chat. I don't understand why people keep asking for me to return, but here I am uh, yeah. as per your request. <laughs> And my dog. All right. and, and your dog's here, too. All right. Excellent. I, I would be remiss if we did not talk about Game 6 of the NBA Finals Tuesday night. The Bucks win their first title in 50 years. Uh, you and I had a, a chance to chat briefly about it on the DraftKings show on Wednesday, but we haven't gone into a ton of depth uh, quite yet. So I, I'm very curious. What did you think of Game 6? Where did you watch it? How did you experience it? Like, Was it a satisfying ending to the NBA season? You can start wherever you want. Uh, it was satisfying because this season has just seemed to drag on for forever um it because of the late start you know we're not used to seeing basketball played in july uh i mean i guess last year as well was kind of strange so maybe our brains are just like warped and we don't know when basketball is supposed to be played anymore but uh no i was i was at the yankee game that night actually so i was catching it in pieces on my phone and then i ended up watching like almost the entire fourth quarter um but you know i i really was just i was i was impressed with in the last two games, really, how the Bucks, uh, you know, won in different ways. In, in Game Five, they withstood this insane onslaught from the Suns offensively. Um, we talked about on the DraftKings show how much of an outlier that game was because, you know, the Bucks have been one of the best defenses in the postseason. Uh, you know, which I feel like I'm beating a dead horse by saying that, but their defense has been outstanding all playoffs long, and. That was the, the one game where they cracked. Um, in Game 5, the Suns scored a bajillion points. They hit everything they looked at, and the Bucks just stood tall. And what they did was something that they have not done all postseason long, which is score the basketball in the half court. They did that so well. And, you know, I was just impressed with 
the range that they they showcased in this series. And I think that that was the biggest thing with game six is like, you know, we obviously expected a, a low scoring, grinded out, ugly affair in a closeout game of the NBA finals. But for the Bucks to, you know, manage to block back down on defense was the most impressive thing to me. Um, I, I just they, I felt like they didn't have a great game but they managed to push forward. And I think that also speaks to the performance of Giannis. He was absolutely incredible. I wanted to bring up too, I saw that thing. I don't know if you saw it as well, but there was a a bar offering a shot every time Giannis in Milwaukee, every time Giannis hit a free throw and he hit 17 free throws. Um, So everyone who went is dead now, but that was, um, that was incredible the way that he was able to shoot free throws. I think that that was like one of the weirdly big stories in that game, because if you look at the Bucks all postseason long, they haven't, or at least in this series, they really haven't gotten many free throws. Drew Holiday hasn't gotten to the line. Uh, you know, PJ Tucker, all the rest of the starters, Chris Middleton especially. Um, PJ Tucker didn't do anything in this series. I don't even know why I said his name. And you know, it had really been the Bucks leaving points at the free throw line with Giannis and him going 17 for 19 was just the perfect accent mark on what was an incredible series for him. So I think that really both teams played very ugly and very bad. And, and, you know, he was the one guy who you were just super impressed with in this game. And it was fitting that, you know, as I turned it on late, he just continued to drain free throws because that really was one of the stories of the game. Yeah, you said it really well. I mean, I didn't even think in game five that either team played bad defense. It just felt like the shot making was so overwhelming in that game. And all those shots that were going down, especially in the mid-range for both teams, really, but especially the Suns, just stopped falling in game six. And, and you know, as we expected, the game went well under the projected total, which I think settled at, what, like 222. Um, it was played a lot like a game seven. You know, it was a closeout game for Milwaukee. It was yeah. a do or die game for Phoenix. And, and that's really what it felt like. And, you know, Milwaukee played, I, I thought, one of its best first quarters of the entire playoffs. You know, the Bucks are up 13 points at the end of the first. For once, they're not the team that's playing from, be- from behind. Because even in some of the games that they've won in the series, it's felt like they've been behind, you know, five to 10 points for the entire game. And then they would come storming back and make a couple clutch plays and steal the game. So, you know, you're finally thinking, okay, Milwaukee's going to have a cushion. You know, maybe we can kind of lead this one. If we, if we can keep this lead to, you know, eight to 10 at halftime, you'll feel really good about it. Everything completely flips. The Bucks go four and a half minutes without scoring to start the second quarter. And all of a sudden Phoenix is le- leading this game at the half. I mean, as someone who I think I could say this was rooting for Milwaukee. It was not a comfortable game to watch no. at all. You know, it was not, it was, it was fun to be in that environment. I was downtown with some friends watching. It was awesome, but there was a lot of nervous energy. It was not a party atmosphere until I think it was about 25 seconds left when yeah. Devin Booker, Devin Booker missed that wide open three, an awesome play coming out of a timeout. Uh, where they had a couple back screens for him, and he he has a chance to to pull Phoenix within three. Uh, he he really had a chance to cover man. the spread for everybody out there. He did, and and you know I was talking to to my girlfriend who I, I watched the first half with her, and then we we kind of lost our way. She went somewhere else for the second. I I didn't I did not want to leave. I didn't want to risk jinxing anything. Um, and she's like, well, what did you think of the second half? That was so great. And I'm like, it was great, but the the one thing that you know if there's one regret for me with the Bucks winning, it's the only like really quote unquote big moment down the stretch was that Middleton mid-range jumper with just under a minute that, that put the bucks up six and, and ultimately right. based on how things played out, that was kind of the clincher, but at the time you didn't really know it, but every other big play down the stretch was a missed shot. You know, like the, the big moments for the bucks yeah. were the Booker missed three, you know, there, there was some missed free throws down the stretch. Like it was just kind of a lot of bad basketball and 
that's how you win ugly. That's fine. But like you said, pretty much every Bucks player, except for Giannis and except for Bobby Portis, had a, an average or in some cases well below average game. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of had the feeling that that was a damning moment for the Suns when when Middleton hit that, especially because moments prior, you know, Mike Breen, uh, who, who, you know, I'm not trying to say that he was wrong, but um, he, he had that line where he was like, Middleton is gassed right now, you know what I yeah, mean? Right. And then bang, he hits a... He hits a mid-range jumper that, you know, got the Bucks back in front comfortably. Well, he had just thrown it out of bounds before that, right? right like he drove right. in and then just threw it to nobody. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Right. I just loved the juxtaposition. Then I also was uh, – I, I was like, wow, like that, you know, considering Middleton is so tired right now, that is that is a huge boost to get that shot um, to give them a little more cushion. But um, I, I don't know if this is where you want to go. But, I, you know, I, I can't imagine that – Chris Middleton can be happy with this postseason, and I, I I'm 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 just I'm kind of out on him. Like I I was not impressed whatsoever this postseason. When you talk about like what you're looking for in your in your secondary scorer, a guy like that, and especially think think about the start that he had to the postseason. Also, remember he hit that game winning shot. What was it? Game one of the Heat series, or maybe yep, game it was game, game one. one. And he had 27 points. And everyone was like, yeah, you know, Chris Middleton, he's the Bucks closer. He's the guy that's going to take that last shot. And it's weird because he's not the best player. Um, he After that game, like, wh- what did he have? Like, he had two good games in the Nets series. He had really the, the two good games in the Hawks series. And then he had, you know, I guess two good games in this finals, maybe three. And I just feel like he was like when he was good, he was he was pretty good. Um, but when he was bad, he was really bad. And I I, I don't like, you know, I guess it doesn't matter because you have Giannis and Tentacumpo. But next year when the Nets are fully loaded and they have their three stars healthy and Spencer Dinwiddie, who no one's even talking about, it is going to be back. Um, sorry, my dog's crying in the background. I don't know if you can hear. Um, because I I had to put her in the crate because she's it's making noise. It's good to get noise. some ambient noise. I don't mind. Um, anyway, the, the bottom line is like that uh, to me, that's not going to, you're not going to sustain your success with that guy as your secondary scorer. He just went missing so many times. And like, again, it's nice that you can rely on Giannis to just be the most consistent player ever. But I, I want, I'd rather have a guy that consistently gives me, you know, 15 points as opposed to a guy that will sometimes give me 35 or 40, but then other times, you know, miss, you know, miss like 15 shots. That to me is is where the Bucks were at in the entire postseason with Drew Holiday and with Chris Middleton, and you just never knew what was going to happen outside of Giannis. And I said this on the show. And I want to say it again because I really believe it to be true. Like, I, I was just, I, I know, I don't want to rain on your parade here because the Bucks, you know, it was an incredible performance, to yeah, be honest. The parade is literally Four going on. About, it's literally happening right now. But I did, none of the, neither of these teams were really good. Like, I, I was not impressed, really, the last two series with these teams. Um, the Bucks, you know, found that magic late in the Eastern Conference Finals without Giannis. And I, I thought that it was a really uh, big testament to, to Drew Holiday and, and you know, Chris Middleton again. I, those were, you know, two of his three games in the series that were good. Um, but they just were really inconsistent. And, like, I, I again, I, I don't know, you know, how much they really did to beat the Suns as much as it was like the Suns just beat themselves once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you look back at the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers should have won that series. I'm not just saying it because I picked the Clippers to win. 
they should have won that series. The 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 Suns got incredibly lucky in game two. They blew that that lead in game one. They almost lost. They almost fumbled away a great Devin Booker performance. And here in you know in this in this finals again they just they they completely collapsed. And you have a Bucks team that I was time and time again early in this series when I had picked them to win. And in that Atlanta series, I was just it's so it was so frustrating watching this team play basketball, at least try to score the basketball, because they thrived all season long in transition, which, you know, I, I've said a million times, too. But that was their whole game. They they pushed the pace. They thrived in transition. What happens in the postseason? The pace slows down. What are you going to do? They were completely lost. And they had a coach that was so unimaginative. And I tweeted yesterday, and I will stick to it, that the Bucks should fire Mike Budenholzer. He should be the first man ever to get fired after winning the NBA Finals because, like, make no mistake about it, it wasn't a great team effort by the Bucks. It wasn't a great coaching performance by Mike Budenholzer. It was Giannis that won the Finals. And, I mean, the rest of the players on the floor, quite frankly, in this entire series were very ugly. And it was fitting to see Monty Williams and Giannis side-by-side side in the Bucks locker room because those were really the only two people that gave it their all in that entire postseason uh, for both teams. We can talk about Monty Williams going in there as well, but that was, I mean, it was really just all about Giannis, and that was why I liked the fitting end to Game 6, where Chris Paul was like, okay, you know, he came back, but for the most part, it was it was Giannis and then a bunch of really disappointing offensive performances. I, I will say, I, I don't want to dig into the Monty Williams thing too much because that was like universally praised and everybody knows, you know, what he's been through and he's he's a great guy by all accounts. I, I didn't love that move. That was like, that was kind of like a Coach K move to me. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to go into the opposing team. I agree. But, but that's, that's neither here nor there. I, I also just want to say, I think that because he's a very nice person and because the Suns are really good this year, people, I think people are willing to give him a lot more credit than he might've earned. Yes. Like, I think he's a good coach, but we, people were talking about him during the postseason like he was the greatest coach in basketball right now. You know, I had Suns fans. I was yelling at them about, oh, he's the coach of the year. Like, the Suns were supposed to be good. They were really good last year. He, he didn't, you know, obviously they needed a, go a good coach, but was he a great coach this year? Like, I, I don't know. And think about it. Like, they just they just blew a 2 nothing lead. Everyone's talking about Chris Paul. No one's talking about, like, Monty Williams um, the, the Western conference finals as well. I was, I mean, he got out coached by Ty Lu pretty, pretty significantly. And he had on paper, the easiest matchup here, trying to out coach Mike Budenholzer and couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I know Chris Paul turned up all over in game three. That was a turning point, but I, I mean, come on. I, I don't know. Like I, it was a nice moment. It was a, he's a great guy, great move, but it was weird for me. And I also don't feel like you know, he has he has earned as much as we're giving him for his performance. Yeah, I, I think there are other coaches who do that and draw a lot of criticism. I, I think if Doc Rivers does that after they lose to Atlanta, I don't think people are universally praising. <laughs> people, people are not universally people praising. People would have hated Doc Rivers for doing right, that. Of exactly, course. exactly. Oh, but I don't, I don't want to I don't want to talk too much sauce about Monty Williams. Um, you know, I, I tweeted this yesterday. Kind of a the Bucks played poorly. You know, there's other than Giannis having you know, one of the greatest finals closeout game performances ever. And we'll get to that in a second. You know, they, they didn't get a great game from Chris Middleton, you know, had that big shot late, but it was by no means a great game. I thought he disappeared really for most of the second and third quarters. Brooke Lopez had, had a nice little stretch in the third quarter where he had a few buckets, but other than that, you know, he missed a lot of open threes. This was a horrific Drew Holiday game for like three quarters. Um, and, and, and yet the Bucks are the third team 
in the last 20 years to close out a finals game in a game six, despite committing at least 18 turnovers and shooting less than 25% from three, which if nothing else just speaks to how often these games kind of become these, these slugfests, drag it out, you know, both teams playing ugly uh, type of performances because for as bad as Milwaukee was, you know, Phoenix, Phoenix's shot making was, was somehow even worse. And, and this kind of goes back to the point that I think you were trying to make earlier where, you know, I guess the Bucks are champions and, and they will be remembered as champions. Nobody's going to discount this finals as they shouldn't. But I don't think in a normal NBA season, you know, barring the injuries that we had, I don't think the Bucks are the team that make it out of the East. And frankly, I don't think the Suns are the team that make it out of the West. You know, I, I was on a show yeah. earlier this morning where I said, like, both of these teams really needed this title because there's a decent chance that both of these teams aren't getting back here anytime soon. And I think Milwaukee has a better chance by virtue of having an all world guy in Giannis who at least gives you a super high floor. But like if, if Chris Paul's playing for the Knicks or playing for the Lakers next year, uh, the Suns are still a good team. But I mean, this was, this was a golden opportunity. I thought for both of these franchises to, to end these long droughts. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's like the Kawhi situation with the Warriors. Uh, they were banged up right in, in that, in that uh, without Kevin Durant, like it's, you have to take advantage sometimes of the opportunities and, Look, the, we're never really going to get uh, an equal-footed playoffs. We're always going to get, you know, there's going to be one team that has injury concerns. There's going to be a team that, um, you know, is just getting a guy back or, or you know, he's 50%, whatever it may be. You know, that was the situation with LeBron James and Anthony Davis this year. And look, if we're being completely objective, you know, when if you look at the fact that the, the Lakers are, you know, like fully healthy. I think that we're going to, we're going to end up seeing the Lakers maybe winning the finals here. Um, you know, I, I just think that LeBron James and Anthony Davis had been that good all series, all season long. And they would have beaten the Suns. I mean, they were the overwhelming favorites against the Suns. They were absolutely in the driver's seat in that series until there started to be some concerns about LeBron James health and, and Anthony Davis as well. Like both of those guys were hurt down the stretch and then they wound up getting re-hurt in the, in the blow the postseason um so i think that yeah it all things considered like the it should have been a, it should have been a lakers nets final and my dog should have gone out or before we did this interview and that's obvious um you know it's just it, it's a matter of of health and it always is and i just think that like you said these teams are probably not going to get back here for a long time. As good as Giannis is, as good as Devin Booker is, it has nothing to do with them, and it has everything to do with the context that is necessary, which is, you know, the health of, of all these teams. And LeBron James, uh, you know, as old as he is right now, he, he's going to be back. He's going to be leading the charge for this Lakers team, and you know that GM LeBron is going to make sure that they get, you know, all the veterans necessary. There's still going to be a long line of veteran players lining up to play, with LeBron, LeBron, and there's been the talk about Russell Westbrook maybe going to the Lakers. Like, LeBron's not going to go down without a fight. He's not going to just retire and just say, "Yep, that's it. Uh, I have my titles." That what? As much as he says that in the public eye, you and I both know there's no way he's just going to go down quietly without going to another finals, without at least having another chance to win. Um, he had it last year. This year, they would have been in a good situation against the Nets. I don't know if they would have won that series, but um, you know they do have LeBron James at the end of the day. And even we saw, like, what was he playing at? 60% health this postseason, and he was still um, looking really good. So, uh, I, you know, it's it's hard for me to say that that it's not going to be a Nets-Lakers final next year, as easy as it is to say. To, as easy as it is to say um, 
that is probably what we're looking at. I think if you're talking the future of the Milwaukee Bucks, it, it just it's going to come down to Bucks Nets. I think for the next at least couple of years. And if you're the Bucks, I you know I don't I don't think talent to talent they they can beat the Brooklyn Nets. You need something like what happened this year when you have multiple injuries, you you're catching breaks, um, and maybe the Bucks find ways over the next year or two to you know kind of narrow that talent gap with Brooklyn. And and I would imagine that will be the case. I, I think if, in terms of other teams in the East, like Philly is the other team that's lurking there because. To me, the Bucks and the Nets are on their own tier right now. Philly's kind of in the middle, depending on what they do with their roster. And you know, then you have Atlanta, Boston, Miami. I think Toronto could could quickly return to that tier uh, if if they make the right moves. But if Philly finds a way to, you know, translate Ben Simmons into Damian Lillard, I mean, all of a sudden you have a, a Lillard and Bead Tobias Harris core, which to me is is just as good, if if not better, than Milwaukee's big three. But I mean, the bottom line is Milwaukee had an opportunity to capitalize. They had the same opportunity that Phoenix did, and they're the team that grabbed it. And and as much as you know, the more we dig in, um, I, I think people like you and I who really, really analyze this stuff probably overanalyze this stuff. You know, we we remember, oh yeah, Kevin Durant, you know, was was the only healthy net by the end of that series. Oh yeah, you know, LeBron wasn't himself. Anthony Davis wasn't himself. But I can tell you, by by virtue of living in Milwaukee, you know, for these last like 72 hours. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody cares about that. This is going down as a legitimate Bucks title, uh, and and no one will will say otherwise. Let's look at Phoenix though. On the other side of this, one, what's next for Chris Paul? It, and two, how much, if at all, do you hold this against him? I, I wouldn't quite call it a collapse, but the Suns were up 2-0 in the series. You know, I, I think we were basically one more game away from finally coordinating Chris Paul and, and giving this giving him this title that his whole career has kind of been building toward. And then once again you know, the rug is pulled out from under him. Yeah, I look, I mean, I think that you have to put blame on him. You absolutely do. Um, as much as I like Chris Paul, and I always have liked Chris Paul, and he's had incredible playoff performances, you know, that the turnovers down the stretch in Game 3, that stuck the nail in the Phoenix Suns. Um, I don't think that there's any other way around it. They had a 2-1 lead. You know, you go up 2-0, you, you go back to Milwaukee, you, you take the punch. You, you know, obviously getting charged up by the home crowd, the Bucks, they exploded offensively, it happens, whatever. Game four was was really when this this all took place. And I, I think I kept saying Chris Ball like turnovers in game three. Um when you're up when you're up two one and you're you're winning, they they were they were leading like almost that entire game four. And he he was the single reason that they lost that game. And because you know that that started the backslide. After that game they just they got rolled over in, in two more games. Um, you have to put blame on Chris Paul. You just have to, um, as sad as it is to do, the guy had incredible performances, but when it came down to it, where was he? Um, so I, I think that it's crazy that we're already asking him, is he going to retire? I don't think he's going to do that. I think that he has, he showed this year that he has plenty of talent and plenty more to give this game. I don't know where he's going to play, but, uh, you know, if the Suns have a guy like, um, I don't know, like a, a, a league average point guard. Let's just say Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry? No. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they have like, if they have like Kyle Lowry. If the Suns had like Kyle Lowry, they they would have won the finals easily. As, as bad as that guy also is in the playoffs, like you just need an like he, he was below average in in two of the last three games uh, of that series, and I think that that really was what did it for them, and. You know, it, they just they didn't have they they Devin Booker gave them 
everything that he could have. Um, and it was just sad that they couldn't capitalize on it. But I, look, I, I'm again, like willing to assign some of the blame to Monty Williams also. And some of the blame should probably go to, you know, the, the Suns role players. Mikhail Bridges completely disappeared in that series. And Cam Johnson went downhill after a great start. But you have to, you have to put the onus on Chris Ball. He is the leader here. He was the guy, you know, if you're going to build him up all postseason long, if you're going to say, you know, Chris Paul has been there on FaceTime when he hasn't been healthy and he's been, you know, working with the Suns and he's been the driving force. You have to also be willing to give him the blame if you're going to give him all the credit. So I, I think that it's absolutely fair. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I have two more quick questions before we move on to futures. One, knowing where he is at his career, knowing the kind of money that it would take, as a New York Knicks fan, do you want Chris Paul in a Knicks uniform next season? Yes, I do. I said all those I said all those not nice things about how he cost the Suns the finals, but I would absolutely sign up for Chris Paul in a Knicks uniform. I think that it would be the best thing for them. I think that they need uh, – they're about a point guard away. I would prefer Damian Lillard. I think that every Knicks fan would, but um, I think for, for – what does he have? One more year left in the $42 million option? It's just one year? Like for one well, he, year? He can opt out. So, well, I mean, who's opting out of $42 million? <laughs> I think well, I think he would in this scenario because otherwise they would have to trade him. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. I but I mean, that, that's what I was thinking. Out and then signing like a two plus one. Okay, I mean that. I mean that's what I was thinking. They trade that. They trade that giant um, sum of money to you know to the Knicks. But yeah, I mean, I I think that I would sign up for it. I think that he would be fantastic for them. They need a veteran presence, and Derrick Rose was that for them this year. Um, Derrick Rose was able to give them a lot. But he ran out of gas, um, and I think that it would be sort of the same sort of situation where you have a guy that you know can get get the ball to some of the younger, more explosive players. A guy like Reggie Bullock can get the you know get some open looks. I, I know that sounds kind of like a meme, but Reggie Bullock was like, what? I think he was their second best player in the playoffs. <laughs> he was really good. He, he just was. hit everything. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think that it would work for them. I, I know that it's a lot of money, but again, if there's no long-term commitment, uh, I'm I'm in for it. Like if it's just 
that's why I would actually rather have them trade for the for the contract that he has now, the one year forty two million or whatever, than have him sign something that's gonna take to keep him in New York for three years because that that would be that would stunt their their long term plan. It would stunt their development. I think you you want quickly to eventually be the starting point guard, like maybe as soon as not this year but next year. So I'm I'm in for Chris Paul for one year. I'm not in for Chris Paul for three years. Okay. And my second somewhat related question, given all that happened this regular season, given all the carnage, you know, through the first few rounds of the playoffs, was the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Suns in six games a satisfying ending to this NBA season for you as a fan? No, it wasn't. No, I, really? I, look, I it was not. I'm sorry. Uh, I did. I didn't want the. I didn't. I mean, look, I I wanted uh, any team but the Nets to win. So I think that that. To me, as an NBA fan, not wanting to see the super team win, like I was happy. But as we grew further away from that series, that Eastern Conference semi, I was wishing that the Nets had won that, uh, that won that game because they were they probably would have gotten healthy again. And I, I the reason that it's not satisfying is because it just didn't feel like the best team won. And I think you echoed that sentiment when we were talking about the Suns and the Bucks, you know, not being great. Um, I, as an objective fan, as an objective observer, like watching the Clippers just absolutely torch the Jazz was so satisfying, and seeing the Clippers win the finals would have been a satisfying ending for me. But like I said, you know, I, I mean, I would have liked to see the Lakers win again. Uh, I don't know if that's a popular take, but it would have satisfied me to know, like, that you know, the, uh, a very good, t- I don't know. I mean, but it, it is nice to see Giannis win and, and the Bucks win for the first time in a while. So I, I guess that, I mean, if it wasn't like I was dissatisfied, but mm. I wasn't like the most satisfied I could have been, let's put it that way. I think that it, it, it didn't feel like the Bucks were a worthy team. It feels like Giannis is a worthy, a worthy star, but it didn't feel like these, the guys that he carried to the finals, it just didn't feel like they, they deserved to win. Like, you know, I don't know if, if I expressed that clear enough, but that is, I think, where I stand. I don't think Chris Middleton is an NBA champion. I don't think Mike Budenholzer should be an NBA champion. Um, I guess Brooke Lopez. You will not be recognizing that title for those guys? No. I mean, Brooke Lopez, you know, I good for him. But other than that, uh, also poor Dante Givincenzo, man. Like, he would have he, he been legitimately a candidate for finals MVP. Um, if Giannis, like, I mean, aside from Giannis, like the finals, I guess, second MVP, whatever you want to call it, like the, 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 the next best player, if he would have played on that team, I mean, it wouldn't have been hard for him to shine as the second best player on the bucks. And like, then it would have felt a little more like it was something other than just Giannis. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know where I come out on I gotta it. Say, but. I think you're, in the, you're in the vast minority on this. I, I think people are, were very happy to see Giannis win. And I think people here are really... I am happy are, to see Giannis really win. I'm just people, not happy to see the Bucks win. Because I didn't think that anyone else on that team really deserved deserved it. Like, I, it, it didn't feel like the rest of the players stepped up at all. But they didn't have to because the team they were playing also wasn't that good. Right. But that's also that's why it wasn't satisfying. Right. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, it's like getting a, a six seed and a five seed playing in the Super Bowl or something like that. You know, yeah. when, when, while Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are all sitting at home. But let's look at futures. We don't have a ton of time left. Um, unsurprisingly, especially based on, on all the things that we've said, the Brooklyn Nets open as favorites, plus 200 for next season. Lakers, not too far behind at plus 525. 
Bucks are nine to one. Warriors thirteen to one. Suns thirteen to one. Jazz fourteen. Clippers sixteen. Sixers sixteen. Then you have the Nuggets and the Mavericks uh, close behind. Denver's at twenty to one, and Dallas is at twenty-eight to one. Um, anything stand out from those? Any long shots that you like? Any teams really besides the Nets and the Lakers who we've we've already talked about ad nauseum? I mean, I, look, here's a, a few that I would say. I'm surprised to see the Hawks plus 3,500. Um, I thought they played a fantastic Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to get DeAndre Hunter back. They, they were not healthy. Um, and I think that this price doesn't reflect that. Like, I think that they, this team has a lot, a, a lot of upward mobility. They can get a lot better. I still am not sold on on the Trey Young leading this team to a Finals thing. Uh, I he, uh, he like Middleton, he was a little inconsistent. Uh, uh, but I mean, looking at the rest of this team, they have the offensive talent. They showcase that they can play some decent defense. Uh, I, I think that this is not a team that should be plus 3,500. Like I, I they're the, are, do you, do we really think that the heat and the, and the Hawks have equal chances to win the NBA finals it is, but that, cause that's what the odds would indicate. Like, is that the truth? I don't think so. I think that the Hawks were a deserving team to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think there's an argument that Miami has a move this summer and you know, they, they at least have a little bit more uh, ability to, to bring someone in and, and change that roster. And, and all of a sudden we view them uh, completely differently. But no, if, you, if you're basically running back the same teams as last year, then no, I, I think Atlanta right. would deserve to be slightly ahead. But, the, um, but they're going to be healthier and they're going right. to be even better. Right, and Bogdanovich was hurt too for that almost that right. entire playoff run. Um, I mean, I, I still think thirty-five to one is probably right, but I, I think when you're comparing it to, you know, another team on that tier in Miami, um, you know, then then it does maybe look a little bit high. I mean, what do you think about Dallas at twenty-eight to one? Obviously, Luca is going to give I, you I, I a really high. I couldn't floor. like it any less. I really couldn't. I don't think that. I don't think yeah. that this. Team, I think that they have plenty of issues. Um, you have the whole Porzingis thing now, where he's jealous of. Luka Doncic or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I never saw it with them in the first place this year. Like I I didn't I wasn't so high on them with Tim Hardaway, uh being you know be, I don't know. Like I, I just their team leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, I I I like you know some of their complimentary places. I thought that the Josh Richardson trade was good for them, um and uh, they managed to to make an impact in the opening round of the playoffs. But like uh, they still just like the fractures that they have right now in the front office and, and Porzingis just giving them nothing and not wanting to give them anything. I, I just, I don't know. I, um, I'm kind of out on them. I don't think that, I don't think that they're one of the three best teams in the West. And that's like, if, if I'm going to invest some money here, um, I'm maybe going to, I got, I'd be much more inclined to invest it in like a team like the, the Grizzlies, which are way down there. They're, they're plus 10,000. They're, they're a hundred to one, but like, if you're going to go for a big underdog here in the West, you know, why not a team that's trending up versus one that may have just peaked? Um, so I, I I don't know. Even the Nuggets, too. Like, the Nuggets, they get Jamal Murray back. You know, Will Barton was was hurt for some of that playoff run as well. You saw what the guards did. Like, their bench was incredible in that series with Austin Rivers. I, I would say the Nuggets would be one that I would like to look at. And maybe even the Grizzlies, again, a team in the ascendancy a team that was hurt all year long. They finally got Jaron Jackson back for the very last push in the playoffs. And they played the Jazz really well. I don't know if it was about the Jazz not looking that great, but they played a great series. Um, 
and you know they could be a, a mid a, a trade deadline acquisition away from like really pushing towards the top of the West, maybe making an impact there in the playoffs. So um, I think that there's plenty to be excited about with them, and plenty to look forward to with the with the uh, Nuggets. But I don't know about the Mavericks. No, I mean Dallas. The, the problem with the Mavs is they just don't have a lot of room for improvement. You know, it's like if you're flipping Porzingis, you're going to bring back negative value. They're kind of backed into a corner with having to, to bring back Hardaway. That's not the guy you necessarily want to be your second scorer. I, I'm not willing to put money on the Memphis Grizzlies, but I, I do like your train of thought. Like, if you could bet on will win one playoff series, then I would love to bet the Grizzlies. Yeah, right? I, I still think, obviously, they're not going to win the title next year, but they are at least trending in the right direction. I, I do like Golden State at 13-1 to 1 with Klay Thompson coming back with a potential um, you know, Wiseman draft picks trade looming. I, I don't know if right. that ultimately happens, but it's at least a possibility. I need to ask you about the Clippers, who are, in my opinion, inexplicably still at 16 to 1, despite the fact that Kawhi Leonard uh, has, in fact, a torn ACL. I know he can come back before the playoffs, but if we know, if there's one guy in the league who has never rushed back from an injury, and if anything has gone the other way and taken much longer than most players, it's Kawhi. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see him as a guy that comes back three weeks before the regular season ends and is all of a sudden just ramping it up and ready to go for the playoffs. Like, if anything, I think he'll take longer than the average guy. So I look, I love the Clippers at plus sixteen hundred. I know what what you just talked about, the aforementioned concerns with with Kawhi Leonard coming back late from injuries. I think that this is sort of different though. Um I know that we're I think that because we have recency bias with these ACL injuries. Like the Kevin Durant thing, the Nets were not really ready to compete yet. They were they were like, let's you know, I, I think that their window was was really two years in the future. They wanted to make sure, you know, they just spent all this money on Kevin Durant. They wanted to make sure he was good to go. The Porzingis thing, same thing. Like, I don't think the Mavericks really were expecting to contend until, you know, a year after. So they just, you know, there was basically a lost season in there. They're like, whatever, like, we'll just, we'll rest Porzingis. We'll make sure again, they had just invested all this draft capital, capital, capital uh, trading for him. So they wanted to make sure that their investment was, you know, protected and they were, he was okay. And I think that in this, the case of Kawhi, I mean, you obviously have the personal, you know, his whole, his own, he had like his own training staff and his uncle and all of the baggage that he has with him. And he, and I'm sure that he's going to look out for himself first. Cause that's what he's always done. But at the end of the day, this is a Clippers team that is absolutely, you know, destined once again to go to the postseason. They had one of the deepest benches in the entire playoffs. Um, they, you know, they were incredible. Um, they, like, you saw that this team could win without Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George was fantastic, but you know, more so, like Reggie Jackson was, you know, probably earned himself a big contract. I think the question becomes what. You know, what does the bench look like next year for the Clippers? Because they really stocked it up. Um, Reggie Jackson might get paid somewhere else. And as weird as it is for me to say, like that could be a decider for me in in terms of what I think about the Clippers. Because he was their, I think, their most important player um, in the postseason. We knew that Paul George was going to give them some points, but he gave them so much offense. He gave them so much heart. He played super hard. Um I'm concerned if they lose him, and I think they probably will. And that is probably where I stand on the Clippers. You do potentially add Kawhi Leonard, and I would anticipate him playing for the postseason because he's older now, and he he probably recognizes. I know he's a selfish guy in terms of being healthy, but like he probably recognizes this is a great opportunity to maybe win a title again. 
because he saw what they did without him this year. And, uh, you know, with Kawhi Leonard, they 100% would have won the NBA Finals. So I think he recognizes that he could come back and do something special here. And I do believe that he would probably come back with, you know, a month left in the season, a month and a half. This is not an injury that needs to keep you out, um, especially just a partial tear of the ACL. It, this is, in my expert medical opinion, this is not an injury that keeps you out a year. I'm sorry, it, it's not. Um, you know, I just witnessed a guy in uh, a tennis player, partial tear of his MCL. He was back in three weeks on the court playing at Wimbledon, winning matches. Like, it, it, look, I know that they're different sports and different ages and everyone's body is different, but this is not, this does not have to be an injury that keeps you out an entire year, um, especially if it's a partial tear. So, I don't think that there would be any lack of motivation for him to come back and and try to win a finals with the Clippers. And as long as he comes back, like that is a great price. But I'm with you on the Warriors. I think that the Warriors are probably my favorite bet out West um, if I'm not looking down in the basement for for bigger odds, like, you know, with the Nuggets or even the Grizzlies. All right, we'll go scoring leader real quick. Uh, There's odds on DraftKings for scoring leader, rebounds leader, assist leader, and three-point made leader. And these are all per game. Uh, Brad Beal leads the way plus 250, Curry 5-1, five to 5-1, to Lillard plus 675. Of those four, who do you like the best? Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I think that I think that Damian Lillard to win MVP, though, has to be my favorite. I think that when you look at the potential here for a legendary season, I mean, if he goes to a team like the Knicks, or a team that is um, is really looking to make that next step. Like wherever he goes, I think that team is going to go to the conference finals. And I think that because of that, that trans that transformation. I know that it's a regular season award, but if you just look at where that team is going to be before he gets a, like, say he goes to the Knicks. If he goes to the New York Knicks, the way that team is built right now, um, it obviously depends on what they give up, right? But say it's you know say the Knicks are uh, managed to get a good deal, and they manage to, you know, just give up basically uh, some first round picks, maybe like Mitchell Robinson or something, um, and they don't have to give up R.J. Barrett. If they get to keep R.J. Barrett, they can have Julius Randle there. You know, they can still use some money to to sign some veterans. Um, they get to keep you know Obi Toppin, who looked good in the postseason. They put Damian Lillard on that team. That team goes from being the fourth team in the East to probably the third team, maybe even the second team, depending on how much the Brooklyn Nets are interested in playing um, their big three stars, considering all the injury concerns this year. I, I think that whatever team he goes to, they're, they're, you're going to see a seismic shift in the way that they are viewed going into the postseason. Even the, the Sixers, another one. like The Sixers will look like legitimate title contenders with Damian Lillard. He is that good. And I, I do think that because of that, he is definitely one of the guys in the driver's seat to win MVP. Um, and that's why I'm kind of shocked by these odds. Like Steph Curry is obviously one of the best players in the league. He's won the MVP unanimously before, and the Warriors are going to be back with the force. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of Steph Curry, but I'm not scared of any of these other guys. If Lillard goes to the Sixers, that probably knocks out Embiid. If he goes, you know, to any team in the East, really, um, I, I don't. I think that that might even knock out Duran and Antetokounmpo. I think that he he's going to establish himself in his new team, and you're going to see that shift forward of, okay, this team just went from good to great. This team just went from great to maybe the greatest in the league. Um, so I think that there's legitimate potential there for Damian Lillard to make that sort of an impact, and he is like far and away my favorite bet for MVP. Um, 
I, I again, I, I mentioned earlier, but I'm still not in on the whole Trey Young thing. Like, I, I, I'm, I think that he has a little ways to grow. I think that he could grow into an MVP candidate, and there's, there's probably some value in investing earlier rather than later. You know, because the odds are only going to get tighter on him. But, you know, and, and I do like the Hawks this year. But like, I'd probably go Lillard before anyone else, and maybe, maybe a John Morant. I, I did just express my love for the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe John Morant. Um, and, I mean, Bradley Beal is probably not a bad bet either, just considering the, the Wizards did look really good this year down the stretch. They did push to the final the, the, to the playoffs, and they probably won't have Russell Westbrook, or they might, might not have Russell Westbrook, but they do have a decent young core, which I believe in, and I do think that he is good enough to maybe... Yeah, you could see his odds shrink to a situation where you could maybe hedge out of his bet, but I don't know. Those are those. That's what I'm thinking with the MVP race. I, I can't I can't go all the way on Beal. I, I just think there are too many good players that would have to get hurt essentially to to get knocked out of the race, which for the most part happened this year. You know, I mean, Jokic I think was going to win it either way. You know, when you start to dig into the numbers, they were pretty overwhelming. Uh, but it you know it, it'd be wrong to say he wasn't helped by LeBron and Embiid missing time as well. Um, Lillard's at 11 to one for MVP. Uh, I'm with you on Trey Young. I don't think he's an MVP candidate right now, but when you're talking scoring title, Trey Young, 25 to one on DraftKings to win the scoring title. I, I don't hate that bet. Um, and I think everything you said about Lillard is pretty much spot on. I, I don't think he knocks out Giannis and, and KD, uh, from the race, but I think the, it, it, like, as far as guys forcing their way out, essentially, which is what that would be, if he were to land in Philly, nobody would hold it against him. Like it would, it would be such a clear upgrade for both him and the Sixers right. that I think it would come with this like positive wave of momentum instead of the negative wave that is often met when a superstar switches teams. Yeah. And I, again, I just think that that, I mean, that would definitely be the story of, of the entire season. And you have to also consider like, this is not some, uh, you know, th- this is not some metric based thing. Like there's not just going to be some one rating that, you know, he has to spit out the top, you know, number or whatever uh, of any player in the league. Like this is based on voters and, you know, voters can be swayed by like, like I was saying, uh, you know, uh, undeniable momentum or like you were saying, you know, just, just the fact that it would be such a great fit there and in Philly and it would be such a great upgrade. And like, it, it would, it would not be one of those situations where it's a Kevin Durant going to a Warriors team. That's already so good. Um, yep. So I, I think that you have to consider, you know, that these are human beings voting on this award as well. And a lot of times it doesn't go to the best player in the league. You know, I don't think we're saying that Damian Lillard's going to have better numbers than Luka Doncic or even Embiid maybe at, or, or Giannis. And he's not going to, you know, be the best player in the league, but he could make himself the most valuable player by pushing a team towards, you know, towards contention um, or pushing them towards the top of the league. Uh, you know, right. I think that if they if he went to the Sixers – and again, I don't want to offend anyone out there who's a Bucks fan. They would that that would be a team that is better than the Milwaukee Bucks. And in that yes. scenario, I think that that would you know they could even win the season series against the Bucks. I think that it would be pretty clear that he made that team so much better, considering the public thought or the public opinion of the Sixers is so low right now. Um, it it would be so high with Damian Lillard. Yeah, it would shoot right back up. That is a good point though. Like oftentimes, more often than not. The MVP is not who most people believe the best actual player in the league is. All right, you have like a minute and a half. Give me your, uh, I would say, sell me on the Olympics. I assume you're a big Olympics guy just because by virtue of knowing so much about so many random sports and being able to talk about them well. Uh, is that is that a fair assumption? Are you a Summer Olympics fan? 
I am a huge fan of watching the Olympics. Um, okay. I, I, I'm not very good at talking about like the minutia of it. Like I don't, I don't really know who the big contender. I do know that there is a guy from my hometown of Ridgefield, Connecticut swimming. So I'm very excited about that. Obviously what I'm most excited about though is Olympic tennis. Um, if you do, if you watch one sport, please watch tennis. It's going to be incredible. Um, you know, we, we have Russia is just insane right now at tennis, but some good Americans in the draw. Francis Tiafo, really excited to see him. Tommy Paul as well. Um, you know, it it is never usually a good showing for the Americans. It probably won't be. It's probably one of those. It's one of the few sports that we really suck at. You know, that in soccer. But there's some really exciting names entered in here, and I'm very excited to see some of these first round matches. Um, Aslan Karatsev, one of my favorite players. He's going to be playing Tommy Paul. Should be a good match. Should be uh, fantastic to watch. And um, it is one of those sports uh, where the players give it their all. Uh, it means a lot to the players. I know that I like watching Olympic golf as well, but it seems like there's less enthusiasm this year for Olympic golf. But it seems like there's ton- there's still plenty of enthusiasm for uh, Olympic tennis. So I do think that that's going to be a pretty fun one. Should be good. And uh, I'm 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 much more excited about this because I'm just completely, I'm so turned off by the team USA roster and all the issues they're having right now and how terrible they look. So, um, yeah, I I don't even know what to say about that anymore. All right. Well, I'm glad we're not going to dive into that then because I I had a whole, a whole lineup of questions uh, about team USA, but maybe we'll check in uh, at some point during the Olympics. We'll see, we'll see how that goes, but uh, I'd be lying if I said I knew any of those tennis names that you threw out. Nonetheless, I will be watching. I do love tennis. I don't. I don't watch a ton of tennis, but I love playing tennis. It, it's a super underrated sport. It also like I have I have no no basis of saying this, but it feels like it's going to be one of those sports that's like on when like none of the other sports are on. So yeah, that's that's typically how it goes. But I know you have a hard out. I have a hard out as well, uh, Kenny. As always, man, appreciate you taking the time to chat hoops. Thank you. Yeah, sorry this one was a little tumultuous. Uh, I I promise you that my dog is going to get fed and walked and she lives a great life. (laughs) 